yes I did So I packed it up and brought it back to the crib Just a little something, show you how we live Everybody want it, but it ain't that serious mm-hmm. That's that sh- So if you gon' do it, do it just like this Like this We live, we on. <laughs> Back with episode um what episode eleven? Yeah, eleven. Back what was like the we last never left. episode we did? I think it was the Q and A. Well, the last real episode we did was Belargo. And yo, oh. that feels like I mean it literally was two months. <laughs> it was ago. February. That was the last time we uh, right. That's crazy. Speaking Fish. of which, we got a special <laughs> guest today. <laughs> This episode is very much long overdue. Um, yes. We're going to give you like an official introduction, introduction <laughs> in, in a second. <laughs> Dang, I wish we were recording this episode at Brack. But anyway, when we record, when we were introduced, you will get into who you are. But okay. real quick, Bria, what motivated you this week? Um, we haven't recorded in so long. I think this video came out probably like two months ago, the last time we recorded. Be Simone on Instagram. She's like a comedian she's on wilding out as well she did like a challenge to reach one million dollars before her 30th birthday and she did it she had like 50 days she needed to make yeah she needed to make like two hundred and fifty thousand dollars in 50 days and she actually made more than that it's fire i saw that that was her 30th birthday right her 30th birthday that's goals man she's about 30 (laughs) and not just assets like she had a million dollars in her savings right 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 like that's That's super super and did that with our team too from like day one yep her day one that was cool to see what about you for me so i've been watching hip-hop evolution have you watched it anybody watched it it. on netflix it's like the history of hip-hop basically not to get all the way into the show but they did an episode on kanye west and i'm just Mm. like oh my god like i forgot (laughs) how much i love him so i've just been like on this kanye west binge i listened to his albums from start college dropout to jesus is king jesus is born <laughs> like <laughs> he's just really a genius oh my gosh like so i've just been motivated at watching his growth as producer rapper now billionaire oh yeah he, he's, he's there he's a billionaire now so that just motivated me and anything is possible everybody said he couldn't rap jay-z and them was not trying to hear him in the beginning but kanye confidence level is always on a thousand Yo, and for sure from now on, I'm you know confidence on Kanye. Period. Always. <laughs> I mean, I guess we gotta introduce you so you can talk. <laughs> uh, our listeners, to our listeners, this is Will Toms, co-founder of Rec Philly. Y'all have heard us talk about Rec in every episode. Yes, but appreciate y'all for that. When we talk about more about you and Rec, what motivates you? Period. Man, I think I gotta follow your wave on that because um, the last maybe let's say ten days or so, I saw Kanye did an interview, but I think it was GQ. And then um, I read that, John, and that was crazy. And just hearing about what he's doing in Wyoming just, like, blew my mind low-key. Watching what he's building out there. What's that? What is he doing? Oh, man. So, like, awesome, awesome ish Kanye's out there building a town, y'all. Watching what he's doing, like, he's building all sorts of architecture concepts where he's, like, rebuilding how homes are made. And then, obviously, he's bringing the fashion element to it. So everyone who lives there has, like, the whole Yeezy collection of future season, whatever. And I think for him, he's at a space where he's trying to, like, kind of redesign how we live. And it's got a home concept. So he's going to build the pilot there, but then take these houses across the world. He's got this kind of, like, coliseum, I guess is the best word to call it, like, that he's building for, like, performances. He's got, like, mini tanks. He's got... These like Land Rover machines. He's got animals out there that he's using for the wool for the Yeezy clothes. Crazy. It's some real visionary-ish. And then when you watch the last couple of videos that came out, it's either Follow God or the other one. But like you see his whole family out there just walking around. And it, it honestly, it reminds me, if you ever saw Runaway, the film, um, no. you never saw Kanye's Runaway film? Oh, the, the video? The yeah. Video. The yeah. short film. yeah. yeah. You know, there's that scene where they do like the Last Supper and then they kind of go on this spaceship type, John. I feel like he's making like, yo, if the whole world goes to shit, y'all could just come to Wyoming and we're going to live right. Made him pick Wyoming. I, I know he recorded like, his album in Wyoming too, like one of his albums. 
I don't know, but he got a, I don't know, something like 8,000 acres or something out there. And I feel like he sees the future and it's inspiring to me because I think anytime you can go and do something and you're confident enough to do it when no one else sees the vision, I got to support that. So Definitely. that's what's inspiring me. Uh, shout out, yeah. Period. I'm here for Ye, but he's just... For what? Oh, okay. I mean, I think all creators are a little bit crazy. He's just a little more crazy than... I don't know if I mess with his politics, but outside of that, I'm still a Ye fan. I I just ignore... I try to ignore that because I just love it too much. (laughs) I just try to ignore it. All right, we're going to get right into the um, great debate. We just pick a topic and we debate on it. Today's topic is, would you rather a million dollars or 800 credit score? Ooh, a million in cash or 800 credit score? I'm going to take the credit score. I'm going to take the credit score. I'm going to take the credit score. A million. All right, yeah, right. I'm going to take the credit score and here's why. I feel like if you know what you're doing, the credit score is worth a lot more. I mean, cash is king, right, at the end of the day. But I think where we're at, I can't buy anything more than a million with my million dollars in cash. But if I got the right credit, I could leverage that and probably get a loan for way more than that and then either invest that or be able to flip that. I think credit is so undervalued, especially like for us. I mean, especially like me, I don't got an 800 credit score, so I can't even tell you what the like limitations are of it. But from what I'm learning, I feel like debt is, is something that's super valuable if you know how to use it. So in our first rip, I'm thinking that's going to be more valuable. But honestly, like I don't know where the government and the world is going. So the cash seems like a little bit more of a safe bet. But honestly, I think that 800 credit score is crazy if you really know how to flex with it. But if you have a million dollars and your credit is trash, you can fix your credit with your money. <laughs> like, yeah, it just takes time. It just it takes time. It takes time, but it ain't going to take that much time with a million dollars. Yeah. <laughs> I'm taking the million. I'm always like, taking, I'm a million. taking a million. Because I mean, like, yeah, you could probably get a loan for more than a million, but what would you need a loan for more than a million? Like, what type of investment would require anything? For example, let's say my 800 credit score could get me 5 million. I'm buying blocks. I'm going to North Philly right now. I'm buying blocks. With a couple houses on the block. And then you flip that until, you know what I'm saying? Until you have the block. You could. Or if I say I need to get that 250 unit apartment Mm -hmm. right now. And then I got cash flow that's probably upwards of a million. And that's residual. With an 800 credit score, you still going to need at money. least a 20% down payment. Yeah, you still going to need money. <laughs> if so, I got an 800 credit score, I'm finding the cash. I'll tell you that. Okay. But, All right. We're going to do But at the same time, it's tough, yo. It's I tough. Mean, it depends on what you want to do, like what you're trying to do with the credit score or the money. Like like you said, if you want to get a build that. Yeah, if you want to <laughs> buy a block with your credit score, yeah, you can do that. But if you mm-hmm. you just want the cash, you want to do whatever you want. <laughs> You can do whatever yeah, you want with it. <laughs> I can't I can't front though. Like if you put them in front of me and just was like choose right now, the cash just seems like the safe bet. But I've never been the safe bet boy. <laughs> okay. Makes sense. All right. Well, to get into just another motivational conversation, we're gonna talk about you and what you do. I really look forward to this interview because you're always the person interviewing everybody else. So I don't really know your story. I don't know if everybody else knows your story, but I'm interested to know more about. Will Times, the co-founder of Rexfully. So what do, you get want, it. what do you want people to know about you starting out with that question? Oh, man. What do I want people to know about me? I don't know. I think at the heart of it, like, I think people should just know what I care about. And I think I try to make that pretty apparent. What I care about is people that look like us making bread, doing exactly what we love to do. That's like the okay. core essence. If people don't know nothing else, that's it. That's what I'm about. That's what my business is rooted in. And then from there, I think it's important just for motivational purposes. People should kind of know a little bit more about my story. I've always been the guy who's super quiet. I don't really talk much. I just like to do the work. And I think that's got me in a little bit of trouble. If we don't understand who people are, sometimes we get apprehensive about really like wanting to buy into what's happening, what they're doing. So I've learned over the course of like the last couple of years how important it is for me to tell my story. But a lot of people I know, especially if you're from Philly, my family's from Germantown. We come from Wayne Junction. I got a pop who is doing a 30 to 60 right now. Um, I got a mom who's battled a drug addiction my entire life. And for me, that's what really started out my motivation of just like, I want to understand why do a lot of people I know, why do some people have money and why do most people I know don't? So for that, that was my ammo of like, damn, I'm running it up in school. I'm going to school. I'm studying communications because that's what I always loved. You know, I always been a fan of culture. I always been a fan of understanding how Diddy and Russell and all them got to where they got to. And I also wanted to study economics because I wanted to understand money. And it's a blessing to be doing what I'm doing now because REC and my, my whole business is built around the intersection of media and economics. 
So if I had to just start, like, that's it, you know? And I think that for me, if I was 13 year old me and I had 28 year old me to look up to, I think it would be a little easier to know that the path was possible. So that's kind of like where I'm at with it. And I think if more people knew that and they could see people getting it the clean way, then we all be a little better off. That was deep. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you kind of already answered this question. What made you start Rec Philly? Yeah, I can go a little bit deeper into it though. So specifically, you know, I come from kicking with the homies. All my friends, have, we've always been creatives. And for me, I've kind of lived that life. I think a lot of people resonate with this. Like, I've always been other, right? My family's from Germantown, like I mentioned. But I went to high school in the Burbs. So for me going out there, it was a culture shock for me. You know what I'm saying? Like, spending a lot of time around people who didn't look like me, people who I'm walking into the classrooms, they already kind of had in their mind who I was and what I was about. So I think the only way I kind of cope with that was through art. My first soiree into creativity was through poetry. And then when I linked up with some of my best friends, even still till today, we were just trying to figure out how we could just express ourselves, freestyling in the back of the homies whip, you know, trying to make records. I think there's probably some records of mine out there, a couple of verses that no one will ever find, I hope. But that was like, yo, let's figure this thing out. And as I got older, I was always gravitating towards the business side of things. It was like, yo, I got a homie who I think really has what it takes to be able to build something special. We had to figure out how did the business work so we could actually do something serious and actually be able to live off of what made us happy. Watching so many people struggle to do that, I think made it more of a challenge for me to want to just take it on and say, okay, well, what does it look like to actually build an audience? What does it look like to do the independent grind? Knowing that back when we were starting, nobody was talking about it. You know, you'd see some people kind of start to win. Years and years later, you see a chance the rapper really do it on a major scale. But for us, we knew that the idea that people had to go to New York or LA, right, if you wanted to be successful, I, I knew that was bullshit early. And for me, it was like, well, why do people believe that? I think it kind of boiled down to a couple of different things. One being, yo, I think I'm hot, but I don't have the resources. Mm -hmm. Or, yo, I'm super talented, but... I don't know the strategies to actually build the business so I can make a living doing this. Or I think the worst of them all was, yo, I'm out here doing something special, but no one around me understands this lifestyle. No one around me, you know, is into art or creativity. So, you know, I don't really think I can keep doing it, right? Because the grind gets lonely. So for me and my homies at that time, me and Dave and my boy Leonzo, it was just about, yo, how do we create something that could kind of solve those problems? So we did that for ourselves first, back in 2012, started throwing shows. And when I say throwing shows, at one point we are throwing like five shows a week in fraternity basements, dive bars, and all that. And then over time, ended up getting a, a warehouse space, put my backdrop up. I was shooting music videos at that time, built a recording studio for my homie, for Leonzo, and we just stung it out. And I think it took maybe a few months before like all of our friends wanted to come through and never wanted to leave. So the idea that like, yo, we had this space where we could just be ourselves, we could teach ourselves business, we could have the conversations that we needed to have to become the people and the business men that we wanted to be, we could do that there. And all the tools we needed were there. So over time, it was like, yo, all right, we got to pay rent. <laughs> so if y'all going to kick it here and post up like we post in, if y'all pitch up, we could keep doing this. And that went from 30 people who say, yo, I want to be a part of this to 60 that gave us the cash flow to be able to get more spaces in that warehouse. And then over the course of a few years, we had 450 members climbing up four flights of stairs at Ninth and Dolphin in North Philly. And that gave us, and you know, right? Like you, you, you've been there, you've seen that space. And that's what really gave us the confidence to, to be like, yo, like we have something special here. Like we ain't got no heat, we ain't got no AC, but people is in here and, and we're learning. We were bringing real industry people. To Ninth and Dolphin, the same block where Joey Jahad got knocked out at, if y'all remember Joey Jahad. There's something special about what's happening here. And then that gave us the confidence to go and raise a few million dollars to then build the space that we have now. But the core of it is we're at a time where like resource sharing is a thing. When we think about businesses like Uber. The only reason that business works is because there's a person who's like, I'm willing to give somebody a ride at a time that someone says, I need that. But Uber doesn't own any cars, right? Airbnb, the same thing. They don't own any property, but they have, you know, the fastest growing hospitality company in the world. So for me, it was like, all right, cool. Well, I know the history of the music industry and I know how exploitive it's always been because we as creators never owned the tools. We didn't own the distribution channels, et cetera. So now that we're in a space where us as creators, we have the internet, we can get directly to the people that we need to get to that love what we do. 
was like, cool. Well, how do we bring resource sharing to this and say, all right, if we're all going to go on this grind and try to build studios in our bedrooms or our basement, what would it look like if we could all pitch up our money to one place where then we could build a state-of-the-art facility, right? And that was kind of like the underpinning of what the whole idea was. So we did that. And yeah, I think the rest is, is kind of slowly becoming history, but all towards this idea of what happens when you give a, a dope ass creative that looks like us access to the tools to be successful, the information to be successful, and a community of people who cared about what they cared about and just go from there. Right. At what point did Wreckfully branch out of just music? Oh, good question. We started deep in music, right? So we started our first company before it was even called Rec Philly in 2012. So from 2012 to 2014, we were just throwing events and creating content. And really, it was just deeply music. It was all about helping artists, rappers, singers do their thing. But once we started to get around like 2015, 2016, and more specifically, I think in 2017, we realized that all the tools we were creating and all the information we were talking about was valuable to videographers just as much as it was valuable to rappers. There were people who had clothing lines who, when you think about the direct-to-consumer business model, it was the exact same palette. No matter what real type of creative you are, if you're out here building in this way, the whole strategy is build your brand and then build an audience of people who believe what you believe, and then use these digital tools to go and engage those audience members. And then after that, figure out how to build the revenue streams to be able to actually turn that into cash. So for us at that point, we were just like, yeah, we really love music and that was the core, but it's bigger than that. And I think there's a lot more talented people that don't gotta ever rap or sing that are going to be successful. And it just so happens that, you know, the product that we were building was ready for dancers, was ready for poets, was ready for, you know, merchandisers, et cetera. When y'all started, right, did y'all see it being this big or like did the growth like surprise you? Nah, nah, we, we knew, we knew. One of the other things I like about Kanye is he kind of gives us the okay to just call it what it is, right? When I was younger, I was too humble to be like, nah, I know exactly what I'm going to do, yada, yada, yada. But that's the truth. Never did I intend to build a small business, right? Even just tell you all now, Rec, you're going to see us call it Rec a lot more because we call it Rec Philly because that's where we're at. And like, we love Philly, so that's it. But the company is called Rec. So to me, we're just getting started because I know that our vision is to put a Rec in 30 different cities across the world. For us, when we were in the warehouse, we were only in the warehouse because we were like, yo, this is what's going to help us to do the thing, improve the model so we can go bigger. So the reality is, yeah, we knew both Dave and I from the rip. We were like, yeah, we're going to build this. We know that what we're building, if we do it right, can really change the world in a real way because we know how important it is to help someone change their perspective on how they build their business, change their future, change their family, right? When you really start making your bread. So yeah, we, we knew. I like that. It's crazy because after we started recording Air Rec and we told people we record Air Rec, so many people Everybody started recording record Air Rec. Everybody recorded Air Rec, right? Let's so go. <laughs> the concept is the care of the resources, but I mean... We start we getting mad, mad, though, like, all right, y'all gonna follow us? We took it personal. <laughs> I respect it, but look, that's how it go. I mean, at least y'all can say that y'all was there first, though. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I know you said you was rapping and doing poetry. So what did you want to do before rap came about? Did you want to rap? No, I never wanted to be a rapper all the way. Before rap came about, I knew I wanted to be a a business owner, right? So like, I was a nerd, y'all. When it was Mm -hmm. high school, I was writing business plans. Both Dave and I, shout out my man, Dave Silver. We were the 10th graders writing business plans, 11th graders writing business plans. And those joints changed from clothing companies to production companies. We knew we, at some point, we wanted to build an agency, but it was just all about like, yo, we're going to build something that allows us to always be around creative people. It's going to allow us to just get our ideas off in whatever way that we want that to come to life. And that was it. I didn't know if it was going to be like film primarily. I don't know if it was going to be music, but I knew it was going to have those elements I just mentioned. And then just for some more context, before I actually built Rec and started doing it full time, I came from the agency world. So when I got done college, I got home, I went to IUP, like I said, studied communications and and economics. And then when I got home, I got recruited to work at an agency called Fame House. So my like actual professional background is in digital strategy, digital marketing. So I had the opportunity to work for, you know, incredible clients like Eminem, Shady Records and Ice Cube. So I was creating marketing campaigns and marketing plans for those guys. 
and then executing them as well. So I literally like low-key was Ice Cube and, you know, shady on the internet for a couple of years. And that's what really like helped me understand the power of this idea of direct-to-consumer businesses. There was times where they'd say, yo, to close out the year, Q4, we got to make a quarter million dollars for M&M, right? But the challenge was we can't use none of Marshall Mathers' time. So it was like, how do we take this brand that he's already built and then create products and create stories that can help us be able to, to in an authentic way, engage the fans to make this bread, right? So I literally was doing that. And then I had what I thought was my biggest success at that time with the Straight Outta Compton campaign. So if you guys remember, you guys saw Straight Outta Compton? Mm -hmm. So when that movie was getting ready to come out online, people were posting those drawings where it'd say, straight out of Uptown, straight out of Jersey. So that was a marketing campaign that came across our team's desk, right? So when we built that campaign and then I saw the success of it, I'm like, well, clearly we know what's going on here, right? Like we, we know how to take this idea that, you know, if you were from South Central LA, you were going to see that movie, right? If you're a hip hop lover and you knew what NWA meant to the culture, you were going to see it. But the challenge was how do we get people from middle America to care about NWA, right? So that idea of building that campaign for straight out of Compton or straight out of blank was, all right, well, how do we get people excited about whatever they're passionate about, but do it in a way where it can always tie back to the film. So seeing that success for me was just like, bro, you get it. You know how this works. So instead of making millions for these millionaires, how do you go and teach this to people that you care about so they can go from zero to 60,000 this year doing what they love to do. So for me, that was like the, all right, cool. I already got this vision for this company called Rec, the space and all this. So it was like, all right, cool, let me jump. Long story short, if I never actually became an entrepreneur, I probably would be a digital strategist. I'd be doing marketing campaigns, hit an A&R type route at a label or something like that. But I, I just knew I couldn't ever really stick into that because I knew I needed to own something. I knew I wanted to build. So if it wasn't Rec, it'd probably be another business. And if I really stuck in a nine to five, I just be in the entertainment space doing cool digital strategy for brands. That's all I care about. So with that being said, what strategies are y'all using? Like y'all are known to be like the gym for creatives. So the gym is closed. How what strategies are y'all using to engage <laughs> with y'all consumers right now? Yo, I'll tell you, it's been a roller coaster for sure, just like navigating the, the pandemic. But right now there's a couple of different things. Like the day that the mayor came out and said that we had to close our doors. It was just like, what? I feel like I went through like all the phases of grief. I was denying, you know, like, nah, we ain't got to close, yada, yada, yada. Like, but then it got real and it was just like, nah, like this is what has to happen. You know, as a leader, we had to really make the responsible choice for our community and say we weren't going to put people, you know, whose health at risk. But it made me take a step back and look and say, yo, yeah, you guys just built this beautiful, sexy space, right? Like four months ago, but you have to really dig in and say, yo, what is your value to your tribe? And like the tools were one thing, but, you know, I think really at the heart of it, it's about the education. It's about, you know, just the community aspect itself. Uh, so we doubled down on that. So right now we have, I think, 23 digital events that we, that we're doing this month. We did 24 in the month of April. So it's been about just doubling down on education, making sure folks can still have access to these panels, workshops, and then also little things like launch the Slack channel so our community could have a place to just like chop it up in like a forum. And then also just been trying to curate all the resources for us when it comes to navigating COVID and all that stuff. Just took a step back and said, yo, people still need to be educated and learn. People still need to be connected. We're just building all the tools that we can to do that. And then we have a really cool project I'm actually working on now that'll come out in a few weeks. This is just kind of another way for us all to be able to connect and share what we're doing. Hmm. It's been a bad thing, but it's kind of a good thing. Like people are learning how to be more creative, right? find ways to figure out how to do what they love to do. Like us, we didn't know anything about Zoom, right? <laughs> but we knew we wanted to record. We knew we had to record and we wanted to record. So yeah. Right. Yeah. And I think as creatives, like that's what we do, right? Like I think as creatives and as entrepreneurs, we're just glorified problem solvers. You know right. what I'm saying? Like, well, we'll turn anything into an opportunity. So I think as sad and upsetting and, and as real as it is out here, as far as people dying, people are sick. I think underneath it, for the ones of us who have the perspective, like this is a great opportunity. This is a time for us to kind of, you know, go inside, do the inner work, really lock in and get focused. 
And if we do it right, I think a lot of creators are going to win because of what's happening right now, knowing everybody's on their phone, everyone's online, right? Attention is heavy. And if we do the work to really be building products, really set up our business infrastructure so we can be getting ready to scale up, I think we're going to see a lot of people win knowing that the playing field is leveled. Even some of these big podcasts that normally are in these beautiful studios, right? They're high production quality. They're on Zoom just like we on Zoom. Yep, so yeah. it's like, all right, cool. Now we all here. Let's just see whose content is actually like there. Like the Breakfast Club, they do Zoom every morning. Just like this. I'm so tired of everybody talking about quarantining and Instagram battles. I'm just like, like y'all ain't yeah. got nothing. <laughs> so outside clothes, y'all have no other content to talk nope. about. Like, <laughs> nope. we got good content. I hope y'all got your <laughs> notebooks out because uh, well, Tom's been dropping the gym. <laughs> On a personal note, what's been your favorite thing and your least favorite thing about quarantining? Mm, that's a tough one. So I guess my least favorite thing about quarantine, I've just been staring at screens a lot. Literally, I probably spent half my day on Zoom, <laughs> like almost every day it feels like. So I don't really appreciate that. I miss not being able to dap up my homies without it being like a second thought, right? Like just see my staff be able to give people hugs, like. I think that's just so weird. And I think like socially, like the idea that like you be outside and you see somebody else masked up and like you want to like walk the other way. Like, I just think that's just bad for us as humans. So that's my least favorite thing. My favorite thing, though, I think my favorite thing is that like I get to disconnect when I want to and I don't got to feel bad about it because as an entrepreneur, I think I used to subscribe to that bullshit of like, never not working, no days off, like that whole thing, which I know there's a time and a place for that, right? Like, I think there's a season for it. And I'm glad that I did that when I did it. But I think right now, like at the place that I'm in, it's not really about burning the candle at both ends. It's about really like taking care of myself. And I think in in this quarantine, I've had the ability to take that step back and build the routines for myself without feeling bad about it, because it's up and down. I'm not even on front. Like for me, I'm still in the space where like every third day is just like, yo, I'm not feeling it. I might have to hit that nap in the afternoon. You know what I'm saying? Like it's real, but I've been able to kind of like balance that. And it feels good that I can finally be like, all right, bro, you could, you could rest today. Cause maybe six months ago that wouldn't have been existent. So I think that's my favorite part about it. We now realize that like, yo, taking care of yourself is more important than this veil of super productivity. What about you? I know you're still working. Do you feel like you have a favorite and least favorite thing about outside being closed? My least favorite thing is that I want to get dressed. <laughs> <laughs> get cute, get my makeup done. Let's just get dressed and go take pictures one day. I'm, yeah, go nowhere. I, I was thinking it, honestly. But um, <laughs> my favorite part of quarantine, I have no favorite. Um, I'm still working. I still have to work. It's really like normal life for me, except for that I can't have fun. Like, I'm still working every day. I'm actually working more. They're making us come in on the weekends. Like, wow. Oh, you're not even working from home? You have to go in? I have to go in. Got you. Well, since you're not getting dressed, are you saving money? I am. Ooh, that part. Yeah, I'm I'm saving money and I'm appreciating that, yo. Yo, I've been saving money. I've been looking like I'm. I got paid again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I tweeted that a couple weeks ago. I'm like, yo, who knew the keys to saving money was just staying in the crib? No, I still have to pay for gas. Cause I still go to work. I still got to buy food because I got to pay for lunch or buy lunch or buy whatever. I can't stay home all day. I wish I could, but I don't want to stay home. I do. I, I was about to say my favorite thing is a lot like yours was where I can like disconnect. My mental stability has been on another level. I just I don't think I ever spent this much time with myself for like such a long period of time. Mm. Like super just so peaceful. Like it's just like yeah. learning what kind of stuff I like, music I like. I'm just trying new projects, cooking. I don't remember the last time I've been in a rush to do something. Just just yeah. been like Oh, you living good. <laughs> yeah, I just like that's my favorite. Least favorite. I miss the studio. Like, I want to put the energy right now. Yeah. How dope it would have been to interview in the you podcast in studio. your podcast Thanks. studio. Like, Thanks. all right, just because of that, we got to do a part two part whenever two. outside back open <laughs> so we can do it in the space and do it right. Right. So, yeah, that'll probably be my favorite and least favorite. I'm just losing my mind at this point. It's like, it's just like no end in sight. 
I don't see how we're going to come out of this. I don't think we're ever going to go back to normal. What is normal, though? Because I don't think we're going to go back to normal, but I think there's going to be a new normal. When will we start to see progress towards that new normal? Because they keep extending the stay-home order. Yeah. I'm trying to stay optimistic, yo. We got to get back into our space. I'm trying to eventually, like... Right. Can, I, can I get a summer cookout? Like, I, I, I was thinking this. I weekend. don't think that's gonna happen. Like, I think we can have cookouts, but I don't think it's gonna be no big events. Yeah, I think it's a gift and a curse. I mean, I, as just like a lover of live music, like I'm trying to go back to shows. I'm trying to go to parties. But if it means that, like, yo, they're only letting people do 200 person events, and we just gonna win, we're gonna run it up, like, because we're perfectly positioned for that. And I think if artists can't do the TLA. That's an even easier reason for us to be able to bring them to our space and be like, well, let's just do this intimate, John. Mm-hmm. Let's live stream it for the people who can't come and this and that. So I'm optimistic as best I can. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm not on like the gloom train of like, we're never going to go outside again. Like, I think these things happen. And then I think as soon as we can snap back, I think human nature is going to want us to get back as soon as possible. Right. Like, there's been plagues before. Like, there's been pandemics before. And we still live the way we live today. So I'm optimistic. Yo. I think by mid-2021, I think we'll be feeling similar to like, you know. So to 2020. February. Amber's like, I don't know, yeah. <laughs> Is quarantine the hardest thing you had to overcome? As a business owner. Yeah. Personally, no. Right? Like just, you know. And I, I always tell people this, like, as an entrepreneur, I feel like some of the things that I've faced in my life have set me up for this. Because entrepreneurship is uncertainty every day, even not in a pandemic. There's been many days where it's like, I don't know where the cash is about to come from for the next meal. Like navigating that don't even stress me out anymore. But as a business owner going through quarantine now is different because we have 17 employees now. We have big asset with the space, right? We just built a million dollar, a couple million dollar space. Landlords ain't trying to give no reprieves on rent. So this idea of like not knowing when we can get back into the space not knowing, you know, when we can keep pushing to grow the membership and make more revenue, that ain't really fun. Honestly, like, you know, when you're sitting here trying to make decisions, not just for yourself, but like for people when their whole livelihood is coming from the money that they're making by working for the company, like it's really hard to be sitting and say, yo, can we keep people on as long as we can? Do we need to think about furloughing staff so we can make sure the company is here for them to have jobs on the other side of this? Yeah, I've, I've never really had to have the kind of conversations that my business partners and I have been making these past few days. So, yeah, this has been the toughest. Like I said, I'm still optimistic, though. One, I know God got me. So, like, we straight, like, we're going to be good. But then second, I do believe that on the other side of this, our product is going to be stronger than it's ever been. And I think we're going to be perfectly positioned to scale to other cities the way we wanted to because of what's happening right now. That's good. Well, in the normal life before the quarantine, how did you balance being a business owner and having a personal life? A what? Being a business owner and having a personal life. <laughs> I'm, I'm fucking. <laughs> <laughs> I just repeated it like uh, maybe you can't hear me. <laughs> being a personal life. <laughs> right. Zoom shit. Zoom shit. Um, man, how how did I balance? So so like I said, like. I think I've been on the best like place ever just recently over the last maybe like year. Because before that, to be honest with you, like I just chalked the the personal social life. That ass. It was just work, work, work. That's what I'm gonna do. Everything I, I do has to somehow make sense for the vision, right? Like I wouldn't even go grab drinks with somebody if I didn't know we could have a conversation that was gonna help push the business forward. Right. Like honestly, and that even went to family. I just chalked it like, yo, listen, as I'm building this thing, I'm not going to be able to go to all the baby showers. Unfortunately, sorry, sis, I love you, but I can't. I'm not going to every birthday. So I made a lot of sacrifices in that. And I don't regret it, but that's just what that was. Dating life. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know what I mean? It was just. Don't regret it? No, I don't regret it. But at the same time, like I'm still young. So like I'm at a point where I was able to shift it and get away from some of those things. You know what I'm saying? I'm not at the point where it's like I'm 40 now and still single and like I, I missed my whole, you know, youth. But I think that some of those things were necessary, but most of them weren't. But I think it was all just like learning lessons. So to speed that up, once I actually started being like, yo, like I'm going to do the inner work. Like I'm not going to be abusing myself trying to work 23 hours a day and all this. You know, I hit the therapy. So I think all black men should do therapy. Shout out to that. And after I started to do all that stuff, it was like, yo, 
I think I had it backwards. I think in my mind, it was like work, 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 work. And if I do that, eventually I'll be able to, to take a step back and then I'll be happy and I'll get all the cool stuff. But for real, for real, it's the opposite. It's make yourself happy now. And that's when the success comes, at least in my, in my perspective. The balance used to not exist, but now it's just one of those things where you got to like put that shit on the calendar. Just like you schedule the meetings, go schedule the time with the homies, go schedule the self-care, go schedule the gym time and all that. And that's how I manage it. But if it ain't on the calendar, it ain't getting done. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's true discipline. I wish I... We but, can. Let's do it. Uh, do it, I, yo. In my fun time. Yeah, like, I'm like, I need to go out and get a drink. I like, was going to ask you, like, did that affect your mental health? But, it, you know, it sounds like up. you kind of, like, revisit it. Like, you kind of put your mental health on the back burner and then... Yeah. Like, visited once you got your business in a place i don't know if i can like uh, my mental health don't have the capacity to uh be put on the back door. <laughs> I, yeah and honestly that's for the best like i think the perspective you have is the way to do it i used to think that like i had to work 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 to earn the right to go out to party for that weekend you got to know yourself yeah. like, you know what i'm saying like because i guess that pushed you and that could have been one of the sources of your motivation like all right well once i reach this place that's when i'll go have fun that's when i can have yeah. fun yeah, I mean, that's what Michael Jordan said. Start with hard work and end with champagne. I saw a tweet today. Somebody was like, hey, yo, if Michael Jordan did therapy, he would be averaging like eight points a game. So it's like, <laughs> it's that balance. But but what I learned though is I think for us as creatives, I don't think that it's create, 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 and then rest later. I think the rest, the play, the joy, like that should be a part of the creative process. And that's kind of where I've gotten to now where it's like, fortunately, I'm at a point where we have the luxury to say like, yo, if we're not really passionate about a project, then let's just not do it, you know? But early in the career, when you're really building your brand and you're kind of building the infrastructure, I don't know if you have that privilege, but as soon as you can get to a space where you can be a little bit more selective, nothing is more valuable than your piece, you know? So then you start to be able to make those kind of balanced decisions. As a um, creative and entrepreneur, do you feel like we have to date another creative? The thing is, even before when my perspective was all flawed on it, I was still dating, like, you know, and for a while, I actually was in a relationship for a couple of years, but the prioritization just wasn't there, you know what I'm saying, to just keep it all the way a stack. So, like, that was a challenge all its own. So, for me, at least where I'm at right now, or let, let me answer it two ways. Back then, I don't think I needed to date a creative, but I needed to date someone who just understood. Yeah. And I think there's sometimes, in my experience, there's women who say they understand, and there's women who really understand, right? So, I think that was always important. But as I'm kind of learning what I like now that I've actually been, I'm not in a relationship anymore. So I am out dating, getting to know more people. I'm learning that for me, it is important to date someone, not necessarily that has to be creative, but like you got to be hella passionate about whatever it is. Yeah. Like I, I can't, we not just going to be Netflix and chilling all day. Feel me? But, <laughs> but there's, but there's a lot of women and men who just be like, oh, I'm good. I, you know, I make my bread and I just chill. Mm-hmm. I can't do that. Like there's something in me where like, there's nothing better than watching your partner in their element, doing what they love to do, shining, doing whatever it is, and like to be able to support them. Like, so for me, I don't know if you gotta be creative, but you gotta be a go-getter. Like this gotta be a partnership where like the goal is generational wealth. The goal is like impact. The goal is like be the first in our family to go do shit. I know I need that. Now, side note, I am gonna say, not saying this was you, but a lot of men use entrepreneurship as an excuse though to not fully commit that's they, a fact no uh-huh. like oh, I'm like, <laughs> no you're not you still mm-hmm. doing Fortnite all night and playing with your friends right <laughs> stop playing and that's where the truth comes in because like you got to see all right how you really spending this time though working yeah stop lying yeah my receipts was adding up you know i was really out here all day all night <laughs> yeah, you know, working. <laughs> so now do you feel like your business is at a place where you can fully commit you're getting up your name and prioritize them <laughs> as well yeah women want to be prioritized absolutely yeah I- i'm getting there now i told myself that like and this is the first time ever i don't even think i've ever like said this out loud but like yeah i'm at a point where in the next couple of years like I'm trying to find the one that like I can start to settle down with. You know, I'm ready to like actually build the, the family structure. But before now, hell nah, I wasn't ready. <laughs> but now I, I think the business is getting to a point where it's becoming like a toddler, at least it can walk on its own. We have an incredibly strong team. So it's not like I got to be running around like, ah, the building's going to burn down if I'm not in it. It's like, nah, we, we got it to a system, right, where things are moving. So I can actually be an attentive partner, you know what I'm saying? And nurture a relationship. That's the way fair. It's to. 
But, you know, it's everything is season, though, because a couple of years ago, that just wasn't going to be realistic. So how does Will Tom shoot his shot? When you ready to start <laughs> dating and, and be serious with somebody, how you going to shoot that shot? Listen, um, it depends, yo. It depends on the position we're in, because I like to consider myself to be somewhat smooth. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'll say this, too. I'm not the kind of bull that's just going to be shooting haymakers or like like Hail Marys, like. If I'm not in a position to make the move, I'm not going to make the move. It, it ain't like that. But I am a kind of person where, like, once I, I see what I want, I'm going to go get it. And, and I'm going to do what I got to do to make sure that it go how I need it to go. But good energy, yo. Like, I don't I don't be trying to force nothing. It's all about just catching a vibe. And uh, if I'm interested, you're going to know. It ain't going to be on some, like, super passive type ish. Like, and I'm going to just go direct and we're going to see how it go. Ain't no science to it. It's always the same person or are you going to slide, slide in the DMs? DMs? I mean, I would, I would be lying if I said I ain't slitting some DMs. Like, but it's a, it's a bit of a strategy to it. Like, I ain't the boy that's going to be like, in the, I'm going to DM you to death. Like, we in the DMs to see where this can go, and then we're going to write to the number. And we're going to go right to the number, and then we're going to see if we're going to set this data. We're going to set this data up, and then we're going to catch the vibe. But, like, I ain't the type to kind of just be shooting all types of DM shots. But I've definitely, you know, threw some feelers out there. Hell yeah. <laughs> how do you take rejection but if she ain't given the number are you are you being persistent or are you like all right oh no uh it depends mostly i'm a graceful bull so it's like oh no oh you don't get rejected no nah, i ain't saying that i ain't gonna <laughs> I, nah, I ain't gonna be on here trying to act like i'm out here shooting a thousand percent like nah <laughs> no misses nah but look I, I ain't the bull who can't take rejection you know and i think that's something that a lot more men should learn you know because like Niggas be sensitive, so like they they get rejected and just start turning up. But I say this though, like if I get my my sight set on something, persistence is there. But it's all in good taste. Mm-hmm. How about y'all? Y'all out here shooting shots via DM? What's up? Never shooting my shot. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't, <laughs> don't even shoot shots. No. no. Oh, y'all on that time. All right. You gotta come to me. We the females. Like. I'm the prize. I'm the table. Period. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I can respect it, yo. Y'all don't even, wouldn't you throw hints at least? I do try to, but I don't think I'm good at throwing hints. How you throw so. your hints? I like look at them. I stare at the picture. I like. I look at them. Really like. You'd be laughing at everything. Yeah, like laughing like hilarious. <laughs> oh my God, you so cranking out. Like everything. Like I do the most, but I think my personality is just like that anyway. So people might not notice that I'm like trying to hint. Like they probably just think. She no, she I, can, I can respect she it. Her outgoing, so so I, clearly y'all believe in gender roles, right? Yeah. I All right, know. cool. Because me too. And sometimes I feel like I be getting in trouble for saying that. Like, I think a lot of people be on this super like 2020 wave where they're like, there are no gender roles. Anyone can do anything. I'm no, like, no, I'm not into that. All right, cool. <laughs> we on the same page. Even I respect it. Cooking clean. What's that? Making cooking clean in the household. Oh, so here you go. Say, nah, nah, nah. You can do that. I got my picks for the gender rules. (laughs) (laughs) You said you listened to our podcast, so you heard the moment of truth segment where we we would usually ask you a question, but we're going to let you ask us a question. So. (laughs) Oh, y'all just going to switch it, huh? Yeah. Let's see. Truth or dare with with no dare. (laughs) Wait, say that again? Truth or dare with no dare. Truth. All right, let me see. For y'all non-shot shooters, man. <laughs> I wouldn't even know how to shoot my shot. Yeah, like, what you gonna say? Hey, can I have your number? Yo, I have a funny story. No, nah, nah, that happens, though. Yeah, I Girl, was a guy, shot. I did. I, my friend dared me to shoot my shot, and I didn't know what to say, so I went up to this guy, and I said, you got a name, or can I call you mine? And he was like, what? Oh, <laughs> and I was dead serious, though. I'm like, where you get that from? Yeah, a movie. Like, um, <laughs> no, sounds like a pickup line that Martin would use. Pickup line. So I got pickup lines for days. Okay, okay. I went up to somebody and I didn't laugh. Like, I'm swearing. He was like, he did not find it funny. He said, "What? My name is such and such." I'm really crying. I was like, you never told me that. Uh, I'm crying. <laughs> 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 I'm married to the only person that knows that to this day is a friend that dared me. Like, and she still teases me. 
That's but, funny, yo. But nah, look, some women are very bold, yo. If I ever shoot my shot, I'm using that. Nah, yo, don't use that one. Don't use that one. I'm gonna look out for you. Don't use that. I never shot another shot. I mean, we ended up talking. I ended up not liking them anyway, but that's neither here nor there. But I was so, so the shot worked then. I mean, yeah, I made the shot. I made the shot. All right. Mm-hmm. Right, there you made the layup. <laughs> 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 All right, let me see. Moment of truth for y'all. I get just one. Oh, uh, we got time. All right, let's go. All right, I think I got two. First one. Since we just talked about dating, what's the number one deal breaker for y'all? I kind of told you what mine was. What's the deal breaker for y'all when it comes to to dating as an entrepreneur, as just like motivated people? I want to say the same thing. Like somebody that is not doing anything with themselves. What kind of conversations can we have if you're just not doing anything? Like, we can't even have a conversation. Like, yeah, you watch Insecure? I want to get into it, but I can't get into it. I love Insecure. Ain't nothing wrong with it. But I feel like that's all you talk about. If you're not doing nothing for you, like, you just watch the TV, you watch the movies, like, yeah, playing a lot of time on your hands. All day, like, I keep forgetting how old we are. I am. We are. <laughs> Yeah, we <laughs> like we are old, so like we're not you old. We're not even old. I mean, uh, we're, we're not old. I ain't go. All right, y'all can't put that on me. I'm not old, yo. I ain't even in my prime it. yet, yo. It's different for guys. Too. It's so different for guys because you're saying that you're just now ready to now I can try to consider settling down and da da da. Girls are thinking about that like years ago. Twenty three. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Some girls. Like, how about for you, though? You didn't mention your deal breaker. I feel like someone is not supportive. Like, support whatever I want to oh. do. I was talking to my, the guy I'm dating. I want to uh, start a YouTube channel. And he's like, well, what is it going to be about? I'm like, I'm not sure. He's like, well, we need to figure it out. Like, let's figure it out. Love the way. Love the way. <laughs> someone is not supportive. I can't. Okay. I want to add that to my list. <laughs> That's a good one. That's a good that one. A great one. All right. So on the on the business tip, have you ever thought that you wouldn't be successful in your business endeavor? And if so, what are your ways of kind of like navigating that? How do you deal with those moments of doubt if you ever have? If we're being transparent, I have that feeling more often than that. But I'm really big on like affirmations. And anytime somebody gives me a compliment or like, I see what you're doing, you motivated me to do this. I listened to this interview and I took this away from it. I screenshot all of that. So when I'm feeling like I can't go forward, I'll like revisit those screenshots or like, that's really what I do. I revisit those or like uh, in my journal, I, I write my wins down, revisit that, just remind myself of why I started and who I'm doing it for. Yeah. Kind of same. And I go back and listen to our podcast. Makes me happy. Our most popular ones. Coughing. Me too. Yeah. If I'm not getting motivated from us, our guests like motivate me. They, well. yeah, like, I, I hear something new in every episode every time I listen Same. to it. Same. That's dope. I like that. All right. So what's up? How come I can't get a, a moment of truth, yo? <laughs> Let's go. See, I don't know. I just look at you as such just a, a business intellect. <laughs> I don't want to, you know, I don't want to really get your daughter dirty laundry out there. Let me see. Uh, we, yo, we could go in. Stop. We could go in. <laughs> Oh, uh, you about to go in the archives, Danny. You about to go crazy. <laughs> I like that hoodie, Amber. That sweatshirt. I need one of them. I'm released. Thinking about it. I was about to say, we don't got those in the store. No. This was a, a one of one, but. Respect that. We'll see. We'll see. All right, make that done on one or two. That's the red color right there. I need that. I know. Yes. Look at, I'm Yo, looking twins. at you right. We twins. What's your favorite toxic text? <laughs> 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 Are you a hey stranger type of guy? Are you a come over? I miss you. Yeah, I'm definitely one of them. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm definitely, I'm definitely fell to the come over, John. <laughs> now, not <laughs> for the phone call. the text messages. <laughs> Have you been sending a lot of these during the quarantine? Like, what's up? <laughs> Listen, yo. Let me stop. Uh, yeah, so you gotta have a little quarantine bay, yo. Come on, we've been out here for months. You know, um, <laughs> I don't know, yo, but I think I think for me, because I I'm I'm on the chill a lot. Right. So I think anytime we text in, we go at it and then they just slide in with something a little spicy. I'm going I'm to feed into it. I ain't going to front like I'm here for, for all of it. Life's about balance. So <laughs> I can't even highlight one, but 
I'm here for oh. it all. I'm here for it. Can't have like one. That like you super toxic. <laughs> you sit in the socks and socks. They ain't denying it either. <laughs> Shrugs. <laughs> okay. This was fun. This was fun. I, I, I miss recording so much. I just don't want to stop. Like, I'm trying mm-hmm. to drag it out. Mm-hmm. But no, this is really good. Well, thanks. Thanks for coming on via Zoom virtually. This is, this is what we got to do for now. Definitely got to do another one when we are in the stew. Yes. Yeah. Um, open the uh, the window so people can walk by and look at us while we're sure. recording. Sure. <laughs> um, I feel that. Well, listen, thank you guys for having me. This has been dope. Can I just tell people where they can find me one time? Yes, for that. Before that, you got to drop a gem for our listeners. Even though you dropped gems, millions, millions of them. Let me see. Yes, parting gift. I'll say this. If I had to say just like one thing I feel like I see a lot from just like creatives as we're starting to build, I think one of the pitfalls of a creative is early on, we try to be everything to everybody. And I think if I could just encourage everybody that's listening to this to be like, yo, focus in and figure out who that one person is that you're creating what you're creating for, right? Like that one person who needs what you have. And anytime you're on social media, anytime you're creating product, just do it with them in mind. I think that idea of just like narrowing it in to be like, this is for this one specific kind of person. That's actually the sauce that's going to get you to be able to make something that resonates with millions of people. As soon as you try to show up and be like, Yo, well, first I'm going to make the record for the ladies and then I'm going to make it for these people because I don't want to be boxed in. I think that's actually a really dangerous idea is that no one really understands who you're trying to be to them. So I would say just hyper focus, you know, really create with that one person in mind. And from there, you'll be all right. That's my parting wisdom. Okay, tell everyone where they can find you. Cool. You can find me on Twitter, on Instagram at the Will Toms, T-H-E. Will, T-O-M-S. And if you want to learn more about what we're doing with the business, we're everything Rec Philly, R-E-C Philly. Check out the website, recphilly.com slash events. If you want to tune into some of the programming we're doing, again, we got over 20 digital events this month. And as soon as we get back outside, come check us out. We're at Ninth and Market, 10,000 square foot space right there in the gallery, 14 private studios. Come check it all out. Shop in our retail store. Grab you some, pray for fashion in there and support local creatives, yo. And for anyone who's listening, you're creative, know that you can do it and the rest will, will kind of make its way and you'll you'll be good. But I'm out. Thank you so much. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. And cut. <laughs> <laughs>